Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, it's Nick. And for those who don't know me, I'm Open Research Advisor based in the library here at the University of Leeds. You're joining us in Season 3 of the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where we'll be speaking to colleagues from both the University of Leeds and from other universities and organisations about open research, what it is, how it's practised in different disciplines, and how it relates to research culture. If you haven't already, you can catch up with Season 1, which was an introduction to the podcast and to my co-hosts, and Season 2 with my colleague Tony Bromley, who was in conversation with a number of presenters from the REDS Conference of 2022, that's the Research, Education and Development Scholarship International Conference. But now I'd like to introduce my guest for today, Dr. Martin Poulter from the University of Bristol, where he's website editor and technical developer for the School of Economics, Finance and Management. He's former Wikimedian in residence at the Bodleian Library, University of Oxford, and in addition to his day job at Bristol, works with academics, librarians and other experts with Wikimedia too. I'm creating your website uh, info bomb here, Martin. Demystify geek stuff and help institutions get the maximum benefit in terms of reach, engage, reach, engaging the crowd and creating educational resources. So hello, Martin, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Now, um, the, you were just saying you know, those affiliations seem quite complex. You've got quite, how many jobs have you got? Have you actually got? Or how many people do you work for? So I'm on my fourth paid Wikimedian role. So I have been, I'm, I'm a Wikipedia hobbyist. I have been a director of the Wikimedia UK, which is the national charity supporting Wikipedia and sister projects. And I've been lucky enough to do a, a succession of paid posts for, for JISC. I was there, what's called the Wikimedia ambassador for a, a time. I was at the Bodleian Libraries, the Wikimedian. Then I was the Wikimedian residence for the University of Oxford based at the Bodleian Libraries. So that was a different job than the same office. And now I'm Wikimedian for the Halili collections, which are uh, a set of private art collections, uh, including the world's largest private collection of Islamic art. And so that's documenting art outside the uh, the Western canon and reaching out, encouraging cultural diversity. Mm. So, I mean, we'll get onto some of the Wikimedia stuff um, in a while. I mean, we, we've worked with you in the library here at Leeds um, quite a lot. You know, thank you for your, you know, we've, uh, we've worked, and I've certainly learned a lot from you. Yeah, I suppose uh, that's the etc. on my job in that I'm a yeah. you know, Wikipedia and Wikidata trainer and advocate and different universities and institutions or groups bring me in if they yeah. want to do training or they want somebody to talk to different people in the organisation about working with Wikipedia and related projects. But I suppose I'm just interested before we get into sort of Wikimedia and you've already mentioned Wikidata and uh, etc. You, you know, what's your um, sort of academic background? It's philosophy, I think, is that right? Well, this is kind of the story of, of of a huge mistake I made, which which led me to being a Wikipedian. And I did philosophy and psychology as the first degree, and then specialised in philosophy for a PhD. And I'm I'm interested in kind of logic, and uh, and decision-making and uh, weighing of evidence and so on. Um, and But also in the psychology logic gap, human error. I'm really interested in human error, how people get into, into belief systems and so on. So in retrospect, I should have specialised in psychology. That would have been so much easier to get funding 
and uh, to connect with the sort of psychological theory. Uh, but but I did the PhD in philosophy. So it was thinking, oh, I really should learn a lot more psychology than I have. And I don't want to do a course in it because I've, I've, you know, I've gone through the system. I've got a PhD. I don't want to go through formal education. But I need to test myself on what I'm reading. So what would be the, the ideal test would be to write something, write a summary, get it critiqued by other people and uh, get feedback on how I write and understand this. And so I, Wikipedia was there and I kind of adopted a psychology article, the article about confirmation bias, and took that to featured status in Wikipedia. Um, you can see in Google Trends, there's like a change in the use of that phrase. People started using the phrase confirmation bias a lot more since the summer of 2009 or since, or since the year I'd kind of developed the uh, article and got it on the front right, page. Right. So, so and, and you're, you're taking credit for that through your Wikipedia? It's, well, it's, hard, it's not a controlled experiment, so it's hard <laughs> to pick. There's a really popular blog post which po uh, popularised the idea, but this Wikipedia article was linked to from like every forum, yeah. psychological, political, every, uh, different subreddits and different blogs. So it it, uh, it kind of popularised that talk and, and my favorite moment coming out of that there was an editorial in the British Medical Journal saying the first role of a medical researcher is to avoid confirmation bias and then defined it with the precise choice of words that I'd chosen to put at the top of the Wikipedia article hmm. so I had changed how people talk about this yeah I mean that, that's fascinating because you yeah I believe uh, yeah, I don't think you've told me that story before, but you we, you organised a Wikipedia Science Conference in 2015, I think, for which you were awarded Wikimedian of the Year. I suppose I'm interested because, I mean, the received wisdom and perhaps for people listening would think, well, Wikipedia is unreliable, isn't it? Anyone can edit it. Um, so, you know, why should we engage it from a research perspective? And you've obviously given a bit of background to your interest. But so, you know, can we trust Wikipedia more than perhaps the received wisdom? would suggest yeah i i get the whole spectrum of reactions because i've gone into all sorts of workplaces and i've spoken to different kinds of professionals they could be researchers lecturers librarians museum curators um and yeah the whole spectrum of reactions from definite hostility to great enthusiasm and i think the hostility just comes from misconceptions about what i'm asking and how wikipedia works and so on uh that I'm not asking people to trust Wikipedia. It's kind of the opposite. It's that the starting point is that this is widely used, but it's incomplete and it is unreliable. And uh, maybe there are popular misconceptions, especially about topics like psychology or politics. Maybe there are people putting in stuff that isn't the basis of their research. It's just what everybody knows and so on. Um, so the opportunity there is to improve it, the opportunity for impact of research to... to to actually adapt research outputs into improving Wikipedia and related projects in some way, or educational assignments, getting students editing uh, Wikipedia to improve to sometimes of course credit. So it actually being bad and incomplete and unreliable is the opportunity. If it was perfect mm. and finished, there'd be no point engaging with it. Um, and it's the it's kind of joining up not just joining up what we're doing in universities or cultural institutions with Wikipedia, joining up across different research outputs or, or different cultural institutions. That's kind of a theme uh, 
uh, yeah, kind of a theme of my career in that some of my work is with educational objects and some is with culture and some is with opening up science. So I wanted to create this uh, this conference to showcase the the, yeah, the ways science can learn from Wikipedia. And uh, examples of like projects that are really using it, there's a proteins families database and an RNA families database. And I think there's gene wiki. And these are standard databases used by these molecular biologists that are that use Wikidata and Wikipedia as a platform. So they're actually sharing their content on Wikipedia, harvesting it back. People can change it. Um, and in principle, they can monitor for changes. They can monitor for vandalism, but they don't get vandalism. Vandals and trolls don't want to put out misinformation about proteins that doesn't excite them. They want to they want to put something in a celebrity's biography. Uh, so actually letting people edit these crucial databases has led to improvements. It's not it's not led to vandalism. It's led to people you, who otherwise wouldn't have um, contributed having this opportunity to write something and then it's harvested. And but but it, the changes can be checked by experts before they're imported into the, like the formally published version. So, I mean, we, you, obviously you just said at the beginning you're a Wikimedian, we, you, we work, work with us as a Wikimedian, but what is a Wikimedian? Because we've been talking about Wikipedia, but you've also, also just mentioned uh, Wikidata. So Wikimedia, it's, it, you know, people may be most familiar perhaps with Wikipedia, but it's not just Wikipedia. There's, yeah, so that, well, there's two aspects to that. It, it's not just Wikipedia, as you say, that um, there's a family of projects. So Wikipedia is the where you have narrative articles about topics. Um, Wikidata is where you have secondary data. So you have like the findings of research expressed in a database. Um, so whereas you might have some text saying the Taj Mahal was built by Shah Jahan, like a computer doesn't naturally know how to pass that text. and But you could put that relationship in as a... Um, a line in a database, and Wikidata has billions of those. Um, there's Commons, which is the digital media archive. So this has tens of millions of freely reusable photos, diagrams, maps, uh, images, video clips. Um, uh, Wikisource, I'm a big fan of. So this is where people are transcribing out of source texts. And these might be poems or political documents or reference works um, or novels. Um, so that's kind of filling in gaps in knowledge and, uh, it doesn't take too much. It's not so demanding because you're not thinking how, what's the proper way to phrase this or what's the proper way to summarize knowledge about this. You've basically got a scan of an old book and you've got electronic text and you're fixing the electronic text to, so it's, a, it's an authentic transcript of that book. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, there's loads of ways if you're a kind of an open knowledge activist, if you're someone who wants to share. Um, I've seen the term knowledge philanthropist. So it is a knowledge philanthropist is someone who learns and shares their learning so other people can benefit. Hmm. So I'm studying psychology and I write a Wikipedia article about what I'm studying. That's kind of knowledge philanthropy. But I read a book and I check it in Wikisource so that other people can read that book and they can get it in an ebook format. That's another kind of knowledge philanthropy. So there's different activities you can do, and some of us, some of us get very um, 
activist about it. I was uh, sitting in a conference with uh, Mike Peel, a friend who's a, a, very much a Wikipedian, and he's a really dedicated photographer. And while the speaker was setting up, Mike, Googled, Mike looked up the speaker in Wikipedia and he didn't have a photo in the lead of his article. So Mike brings out his camera because he's a dedicated photographer, he has really good equipment, photographs the speaker who's setting up, transfers it from his camera to his laptop, uploads to Wikipedia, embeds the image in the Wikipedia article in time for the guy to start speaking. Yeah. And in this time, I'd opened my laptop. <laughs> I'd opened my notes, but I thought, oh, right, th th there, are, there are Wikipedia activists more hardcore than me. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it, it kind of transforms how you look, at, like, how I look at my books. Uh, I go back to my books. Oh, this has got interesting stuff about the Nobel Prize in. Could I put this in the Nobel Prize article? So you kind of dig through stuff you have access to. Uh, somebody showed me, like, a book with an old portrait painting scans in it and oh this is really old so it's out of copyright so i could scan this and put this in commons and make this available for educational content or wikipedia articles and so on yeah and i mean i i've become fascinated as you know what's sort of working with you to understand especially the relationship between i think wikidata wikicommons and wikipedia um and you and i in fact we did co collaborate on a, um, a co-authored paper for uh, uksg insights uh, about wikipedia wikimedia and uni universities which i'll link to in the show notes as well um and you've been helping us with a few different projects here as haven't you as well so we, we recently did a pilot project with the factory of biological sciences so then we were working with um pgrs to look at particular subject pages and how they might improve Wikipedia articles or get media onto Wikimedia Commons that could be used to illustrate those Wikipedia articles, that kind of thing. Is that something that more universities are doing or, or not? Yeah, I'm really glad what Leeds is doing uh, and the different ways you're kind of interfacing with the Wikimedia projects. And I think just about everything we do in universities can connect in some ways to so it might be you you've got the example of making a map or a diagram or or publishing a paper which has figures in it maps and diagrams or those could be suitably licensed and reused and used in the wikipedia article or or other educational materials just made freely available um uh it relates to education it relates to kind of uh data science and data visualization there's there's projects that can be done um, and I think that they're, they're building skills in the relevant staff and students. Mm -hmm. They're giving another layer of exposure to the work we're already doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, connects. I, 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 there's a really important point about, like, putting, creating content, not platforms, that I think I've learned from my career. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people are getting the same message that, in my 25 years working in universities, there's been lots of projects which have been funded, and they're to create educational material, or they're to create reference material, or to create some research resources for a particular subject. And they get a server, and they get a brand name, and they, there's going to be a name for the project, and it's probably going to be named after an animal or something. And loads and loads of these spring up. And there's a loss, because uh, the funding runs out, and the server isn't updated or maintained or some, eventually somebody switches it off or maybe this is an academics project uh, to create this stuff and that academic retires or mm. goes to another university or goes to live in the woods 
And there's this loss of these things that were a, a big song and dance about and taxpayers' money were put into, but they aren't, they don't survive till now. Yeah. And so one element is those things weren't remixable. They, they weren't created with um, how will people adapt these in future, how will future generations adapt this and keep it going. Um, uh, and can we, having created content, put it on some platform which links it up like with a web of other knowledge how can how can we add to the existing web of interconnected knowledge about the world about history about culture which is wikidata which is which well all of these projects were uh but yeah wikidata is the one that's truly a web of interconnected knowledge because it's multilingual so wikipedia has 300 different language versions which have each have their own rules and their own differences in coverage and so on. Uh, Wikidata is a one site with all of these different language communities working on it. And with that, uh, it can answer questions about uh, where is a particular kind of thing? Like where, where are all the objects in British museums related to Shah Jahan? Where are all the paintings that are, are self-portraits by women? Where are the poems by 18th century people in French and so on? So these are all things that that you could go to a hundred different sites and search for, and uh, or, or you could just Google search and it would give you um, uh, the thing you're looking for in amongst millions of other things that you're not looking for. Uh, so Wikidata, you can ask what that. Show me an image gallery of self-portraits by women and get a growing set of results for that. You type that in as a search result into Google or into different museum websites, you're not guaranteed to get anything because of the way those websites work, where search engine works. Hmm. So we should be, th- anything we produce, um, special collections in the library or research project, we can be thinking about how does this join up? How do we describe what we've published or what else we've created, data sets? Um, uh, image and so on how do we not just put it online because it's not not enough for it to be online now it's got to be findable in the places where people are looking for it how can we put this uh, in a web where yeah it connects to what the rest of the world are doing and and uh, is findable by where people are looking but wikipedia is biased right it's not representative i mean i remember one of the conversations with you previously where is it i think the, the, the figure that sticks in my head is that there's more wikipedia articles about the netherlands than the whole continent of africa you know the, 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 is that a problem i mean is it it just reflects the people that are editing the thing i suppose is it yeah there is this huge problem of kind of a bias of emphasis and it's not even like a bias in the individual articles it's what the articles are about mm-hmm. so i did a research project about the coverage of visual art in Wikipedia. And uh, there's so much coverage of, uh, say, John Constable or John Ruskin or this sort of, um, uh, say, figures from British history who are quite minor in the global sense. And then there'll be people from Chinese art, Persian art, African art, who are really celebrated in those cultures, but there's almost nothing about on Wikipedia. Hmm. So... The content of Wikipedia really reflects a, yeah, primarily 
North European, white, male, uh, sort of Western culture. Um, that's partly the, the, the outcome of scholarly publishing in general. That mm. were the, the, the sources that we use are published by uh, publishers in North of Europe, and so much scholarly research is done. So there, there's um, the sources available, but there's also the interests of the volunteer contributors and what they're interested in writing about and what yeah. their hobbies are. So improving Wikipedia is often about diversifying Wikipedia, and that's a lot of the theme what I've been doing, that that at Oxford it was women in science editathons or editathons, uh, yeah, to put more women into Wikipedia, presently working on putting like Islamic art and Japanese art in uh, into commons and Wikipedia. Um, and yeah, reaching out to more people beyond the those who have the um, yeah the privilege. It, it does come from privilege, uh, being able to um, yeah. having the headspace and spare time and access to sources to be able to improve Wikipedia. Yeah, I mean, that's it, actually how I think I first met you was uh, through you and McAndrew, who's the Wikimedian in residence at the University of Edinburgh. I mean, we 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 can't not mention the University of Edinburgh as a as an exemplar of the the work I think they're doing with Wikimedia. Um, they're great. I mean, yeah. better than any other university, aren't they? Really, and uh, yeah. and they use it they use it in sort of student assignments and and that kind of thing. I don't I don't know how much you know about the work at Edinburgh. If you can tell us a bit, about yeah, I think what they're used in. So Wikimedia needs translators. It needs Wikipedia articles to be translated, labels in Wikidata to be translated, image captions and commons. And they're using that, and other universities worldwide, this as an opportunity. Again, it's incomplete. That's the opportunity. If you want um, uh, samples of business Chinese or, or Chinese article about a scientific topic, well, then you can get that from Chinese Wikipedia and have a st student on a translation course translate that. And, and you've got a big choice of um, source and target languages and um and different topics so um uh they have yeah focused events on particular topics editathons uh translation what i was work. doing i was at a, yeah. a, a women in red it's called a editathon when i we you dealt in remote yeah. that was facilitated by you and which was as you say trying to add uh more biographies of of women yeah, because they are and the witches project yeah. is yeah. is just a great example. Again, I was talking about dead weight loss, and another another reason for the loss of resources that lots of efforts gone into is technology. And there's so many databases that have been created that th this is a database in access, and access isn't, isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah, and right. I said, you know, educational materials created in Flash, and Flash isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. So um, there's a huge opportunity to find this stuff that's in outdated formats and convert it over to open formats, standards formats, and, and Wikidata, and they're, they're kind of a standard, um, and there's no kind of intellectual property restrictions on them, and they're, so they're open legally and techni technically. So that, um, that gives longevity to that, uh, to that content, whatever it is, a data set or a set of photographs or whatever. Mm. I mean, the other... We've talked a lot in the past, you and I, about um, the fact that perhaps universities aren't engaging as much as they might with Wikimedia, or so we're trying to do so at Leeds. 
Um, I mean, what are some of the barriers do you think to engaging with the tools aren't that intuitive, are they? I don't think to actually edit to, to get to grips with, and there's a lot of learning involved in, that I could vouch for in terms of liaising with the community and the collaborative aspects of it, and etc. I mean, is, is that a barrier? Yeah, there's, there's barriers on kind of the Wikimedia side. And there's barriers that are kind of legal and organizational within a university. So wikis are a technology from 1997. And you go on Wikipedia and it's kind of visible that it is a very old, in internet terms, technology that hasn't updated much. And the usability is admittedly terrible. Hmm. And um, maybe this is why a lot of academics think you don't get attribution for writing on wikipedia actually you do there's a couple of clicks you can do and it will show you all of the usernames and it has actually has what's called micro attribution in it a individual letter or punctuation mark you can track back and find who added that so uh it, it's great for kind of attributing shared authorship uh, so there's lots kind of under the bonnet like people don't realize you can get an article and you can find out so much about it like when was this written by whom was this written uh what's the quality rating people are often unaware there's actually a quality scale on wikipedia the wikipedians care very yeah much can about. You tell us a bit more about that, that because you mentioned that the first article you mentioned i think with the, the um confirmation bias got a quality mark um so and people perhaps will be unfamiliar with that so that it's not just a free-for-all is it you can't just yeah, the first um, the first half decade of Wikipedia's existence, it was all about create as many articles as possible. And this was the time when it started appearing in search results a lot, but had this terrible reputation for hoaxes and, and uh, so on. And um, yeah, a terrible reputation for unreliability. But since then, there was a transition yeah kind of 2005 2006 i think when i back when i started to get involved to focus on quality and there is a quality scale uh there's a lot of this is informal quality review uh but there are formal review processes where you can put something up and someone who hasn't been involved in writing the article but is interested in the subject will check it against a, a lot of criteria so it's a very open review process it's not like submitting to a journal and hearing months later or an anonymous uh reviewer's opinion it's actually a dialogue and the and and it takes place in public it takes place on the talk page about the article and uh in getting the featured article badge on what i'd written i had to go through three review processes and i think there were 10 reviewers involved in that so that's really demanding that subjected every sentence i'd written to to some examination and critique and is this the best way to word this does it exactly match you know what is the fact you're stating here the fact that's in the source that you're coming from so i found it more um more demanding than publishing in peer-reviewed journals in my experience i mean it's a different kind of thing because it's not reviewing the quality of the research that's already been done yeah. when the research is published in a peer-reviewed journal so on wikipedia we're reviewing the quality of the writing and the style of the writing and is this a good fair comprehensive summary uh, so there's uh, a lot of review going on and wikipedians are really 
quite scathing about the content of Wikipedia. So there's only half a percent of Wikipedia articles in English Wikipedia that have one of these formal quality badges. Mm. And the great majority have stub quality or start quality, which are the two lowest on this, I think, seven-point scale. So you might look up a Wikipedia article, think, oh, this is really not very good. There's not much content here. It's not very systematic. It's not very well written. If you look at the talk page, you'll probably find Wikipedians agreeing with that and saying, yeah, this needs more, or there may be a, a tag on it, like this needs more references, or this needs a more, more diverse points of view. Um, so that is, it, um, that's the, a barrier to, yeah, researchers, lecturers engaging the perception that it's going to, it's like the wild west. You throw it in, but then trolls and vandals are making their edits as well. And who knows what way it'll end up. Whereas it's more like an evolutionary system. It's, it, there's, there's changes made, but it's preserving the changes that are made that are beneficial. Yeah. Um, and then the other kind of barrier is the, to, to sharing, to improving, is the barrier that we have in our own institutions, which is maybe the, the desire for control and the desire for like full copyright. And let's put a license on this, which says that no one can alter it. And um, I mean, this is an issue for libraries and museums in particular, that they often have income generation targets and they have a generation from image licensing. So even though they're kind of public institutions preserving culture for uh, future generations, they've got to to reserve or or reserve the uses of some things. Uh, And uh, yeah, it, 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 uh, they're reluctant to share mm. and people are concerned about yeah what I've written or the images I've made being taken by someone else and used for some other purpose or maybe altered that does scare people but that's where the advantage comes in that that you can't know all of the useful uses to which your content will be put Somebody making a figure for a research paper can't anticipate all the ways that could be used in, in to illustrate other research or in educational materials about the topic or illustrating a dictionary or something about the topic. So um, uh, we have to like feel the fear, but still upload the stuff yeah. and just see. It's like, I'll give this to you. I'm keen to see what you'll do with it. I don't know. What you will and and there are images that are uploaded that people think maybe there's a there's several different uses for in wikipedia that get hundreds of uses so uh, van gogh starry night that illustrates the article about starry night it illustrates the article about van gogh and maybe the, the van gogh museum but it also illustrates lots of mental health articles because of the state Van Gogh was in when he painted it. And also, so, um, and I'm finding what I'm doing, I'm uploading images, and they're used in ways, or they're used in articles I never would have thought of. They're used in languages I haven't heard of. Yeah. So there's an Indonesian language, Bahasa Indonesia, that I didn't know about the existence of until I saw one of my articles being translated into it. And I could look at this and see kind of the sentence structure and how it was definitely based on my English text. Um, and I, I, if I'd 
been trying to do that with money, get my article translated into Indonesian as well as French and German. So I don't know how I would do that, but that just organically happened. I mean, the way, I, as I've learned more about Wikipedia, the way I've often put it to researchers, you know, when you're talking about, I mean, for example, I've just on my phone Googled confirmation bias, no prizes for guessing what the first hit was, which is, of course, Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, and what, I, you know, I, I remember being at an editathon with, uh, I can't even remember who the colleague was or what the, the, the discipline it was, was in. But sort of this idea that it's the lens through which people see your discipline, whether you like it or not, the global commons is out there. You Google something, you're not going to land on their seminal research paper unless it's cited on Wikipedia. You're going to land on the Wikipedia page. Um, and he was sort of quite grumpy and said, well, this is wrong. And well, edit it then. But, you know, that's that's the, the, the message, isn't it, I suppose, that it's... it's up Yeah, to how the wider public, how prospective students see your subject. Um will be shaped by this because it's so convenient and it's free and maybe there's something much much better and and written entirely by experts properly reviewed but likely behind a paywall or on an obscure site or not joined up yeah. um that um it, it really helps that wikipedia is encyclopedic in that there's not a wikipedia sports and wikipedia art and wikipedia science that it's all one thing so Everyone I talk to has this experience where they're looking up something. Maybe they're looking up a TV show they're watching, but the Wikipedia article has all of these links to other related things. So I've started reading about this um, thing on TV, but now I'm reading about the speed of light controversy. And now I'm, I'm, how have I got yeah, here? Yeah. You've got 30 tabs open with different topics. And you're not going to do that with kind of a PDF that's been published yeah, properly in a journal by research group there's not so many ways into it and uh so there's a lot to be said for yes yeah, stumbling upon stumbling upon content like a wikipedia article stumbling upon uses for things like i said finding a book with a portrait painting in it and oh well, well that could go into the wikipedia article of the guy in the portrait um, and, a, and a really powerful teaching and learning tool i think i mean again i'd be remiss if i didn't mention wilson armistead um, who, um, if you Google Wilson Armistead, then you will find him on Wikipedia, which is an article that I wrote with help from from, from you, Martin. Yeah. But I learned also, you know, it just you, you have to learn because you're citing the sources. And just for a bit of background, that particular example, Wilson Armistead was a slavery abolitionist from uh, Leeds in the 19th century um, that I came across in um, a research paper written by Professor Bridget Bennett here at the University of Leeds in um the School of English, um, and I thought he was a fascinating character, and he wasn't on Wikipedia, so I wrote an article, um, which he's now that much more discoverable, um, and obviously he uses Bridget's, Professor Bennett's article as the primary reference, so it, it raises the profile of that research as well. Yeah, and that was something you provide, you did the research for, you provided the meat, and I did some kind of stylistic and, and formatting but that was hard, and I suppose that comes back to the tools thing. You know, I, yeah. it, it, I did find it, I do find it difficult to use the Wikipedia tools even now, and I've got a bit of experience, but it's not yeah. easy to find your way around the tools. But my point is, you don't have to get the style exactly right for conformity with with the the huge, expansive manual of style that Wikipedia runs on, and you don't have to get all of the code uh, right to format it correctly. Um, if you get just the basic text right and cited, other people will come along and fix those things. 
Yeah. So it, it solves the division of labor problem really well. And if you think if we to do this by a traditional publishing process, uh, oh, so someone would have to start with a draft of the text and then someone else would have to kind of copy edit that and then someone else proofreads that. And we'd have to like move drafts between us in email or something. And in Wikipedia, those things happen, but just in whatever order. So just put in an, uh, an article and uh, yeah, the categorization or the way a table's formatted isn't proper, but someone else, there's some pedant out there who likes fixing exactly that problem or likes cite, uh, likes formatting citations the exactly yeah. right way. Yeah. And they will go through a bunch of articles and, and fix th that aspect of those articles. Um, and so people who are, who have a subject focus or like you had, you had interest in this particular bit of research and other people whose interest is in kind of the page layout or the, or particular grammar things, we all work on that, making that one article better in a, in a short space of time. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose just to do it slightly away of time, but in terms of, um, you know, though the challenges as we've talked about in terms of the, the, the usability of the interfaces on one level or um, finding your way around the, um, you know, the different rules and the communities, et cetera. I mean, if universities or individual researchers want to work with, Wikimedia, where where can they go for support? I mean, you've been very helpful to us, but you're, you're obviously there's there's lots of Wikimedians out there, are there or or not? There's not many. Um, there are kind of independent consultants like me, um, and I'm like I said, someone who'd be brought in. Different universities have brought me in for a day to run an event and talk to different people in the institution and and talk about what they can do. Uh, with Wikimedia. It's Wikimedia UK, which is the charity, which is a good first point of contact. And they have contacts with lots of lecturers who are leading courses with some kind of Wikipedia aspect. They have contact with researchers, they have contact with cultural institutions. And um, they know the field, they know who is out there and who has skills. And um, yeah, can can introduce you to or point you in directions of who might have the skills to help with a particular problem. But yeah, it is a market. Yeah, the, the Radio Times says other Wikimedians are available. Mm. Um, but um, it's it's upskilling as well, isn't it? And I suppose you know, I I've still got you know, I'm certainly further up the learning curve than I was. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but I can do a bit now, and I can help upskill colleagues in my university, but. Uh, we do need more um, people to be upskilled, I guess, ultimately, don't we? There's a lot to be said for skill sharing days. And that, uh, uh, yeah, another university I visited, they had lots of people in different parts of the organisation who had some kind of Wikimedia interest or interest in improving Wikipedia with their work, but they were different roles. They were lecturers and librarians and so on, but they weren't connected up in any way. So just having those people meeting and then sharing what they're doing and then having me come along and give a training uh, workshop about particular uh, yeah, about uh, things that happen in other universities or what they can do that was an advantageous thing so it, it's it's kind of a grassroots it's usually the grassroots effort to bring people together share what you can do 
Uh, and then sometimes it's top down as well and you get somebody high up the organization backing it and then you can have like a formal um some formal involvement like a, a wikimedian residence for the university and then once you have that there's loads more that can happen because that person can help out a lot of different projects and parts of the university yeah and that's kind of where we are now at leeds so um as we've discussed you know you've obviously we've worked with you and uh, i've done bits and pieces as i've become a bit more confident with the different tools and etc um but we should um i think by about march april um we're recording this in December, um, although it won't be uh, out until February, but probably still before we get this post. But we are planning to have a Wikimedian in residence. He'll be working with us in the library. Um, and that's partly through, you know, through, thanks to you, Martin, I think, in terms of the work that we've done with you and uh, and with me as we've sort of raised the profile of Wikimedia and, and um, enable colleagues to see the value. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll have more, more to say on that soon. But I guess, you know, thinking beyond, I mean, we hope to continue working with you, um, you know, on, on some of the projects that we've already started. But what's what's the big picture, I suppose, you know, where we are in 2022, you know, uh, and the global commons, you know, what's the Wikimedia community hoping to achieve in the future? Is it more the same? Are there any big initiatives on the cards? Or um, the, the theme of all we're doing well, there's two themes. One is the knowledge equity theme and diversifying the knowledge that we've done really well for uh, describing the art of Constable and Ruskin and, and uh, art made by British or Italian artists, say. And there's so much of the geography and culture and history of, of other parts of the world that we're not doing so well on. And it's diversifying the contributor base is essential to that. And... So the, the community is holding lots of outreach to Africa and Asia and so on. And um, so there's diversification, but there's the role of data and the role of, of sharing knowledge, not just in the form of having a website that lots of people come to, but giving people tools, code, data, images that make their website better. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be bibliographic data. This, uh, um, so things coming from Wikidata, coming from Wikimedia Commons, that just make it easier for anyone to create a reference site about any topic. So we're not like uh, the other internet big names, where we're, we're like Facebook or Google, where it's about getting people to use our services, come to our site. We just want the web to be better and to have more knowledge and more diverse knowledge um they don't even have to come to wikipedia and is it i suppose just to, to finish on the question of sustainability i mean obviously i think everybody including jimmy wales himself was surprised to the uh, the success of wikipedia and it's how many years old now uh 22 coming up to uh, but it is a charity. It's it's supported through uh, as a, as a charity. I think. Um, is yeah, that it's charitable, and that's that's um, integral to to the particular thing. It is that it's there are no shareholders behind this. There's no mission. There's no income generation uh, mission of the project itself. That that uh, these organisations take money to run, but uh, we don't answer. To anyone who could say withdraw funding because 
you know, what's on Wikipedia, it's so controversial or, or uh, unpopular topics. So, um, uh, yeah, it's not like there, there are Wikipedia sponsors that will run away. Um, it, it's really vital that this be like an independently funded, uh, independent resource. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's great that the fundraising has been so successful that this looks like a long-term project. I mean, we've got to guarantee not just that, it, that the servers are going to be running in a year's time, but this is genuinely a long-term project that if museums share some of their collection images with us, we'll be able to preserve those in perpetuity. Mm. Uh, I think that I personally believe it'll be around, the Wikimedia projects will be around in some form as long as there's human civilization around. Yeah, well, that's a good note to finish on. I mean, it truly is the global commons and... Uh, yeah. You know, obviously, thanks for your time. And we would um, encourage people to contribute to it. I mean, there's no reason if you, people haven't done so, they could just sign up to for a Wikipedia account, can't they, and, and start editing. Um, Indeed, yeah, just uh, log in, have a go. If it seems arcane and difficult, yeah, it is. But there are people out there in the community, maybe your own institution or, or doing similar jobs elsewhere, who can help you through it. Yeah or drop us a line on this podcast so thank you very much uh martin thanks for your time um uh, really interesting to go in a bit of a deeper dive with you with some of the stuff around wikipedia and uh and wikimedia and we'll speak again thanks very much thanks Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Email us at academicdev at leads.ac.uk. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.